Hi, welcome back to The Cake with Joe and Jane. It's called The Cake because there is a cake for absolutely everyone. Whether it's walnut, chocolate, fruit or red velvet, we at Salisbury definitely think cake is something that unites us all. Thanks so much for joining us again. We have a great episode coming up for you all about mental health that we are recording during Mental Health Awareness Week. But before we get into this episode, we should probably introduce ourselves again. So I'm Jane and I am one of the divisional heads of nursing here at the hospital. And my name's Joe, and I'm the recruitment leader here at the Trust. Joining us on this episode, we have Carrie Jones, who is one of the amazing operational matrons for the medicine division. And we are also very fortunate to have our very own Joe, who is willing to share some of his experiences too. I'm not sure whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we'll see how we go. Uh, But as we know, people are far more than just their job titles. So Carrie, what is one thing that people might not know about you? Oh, um... Well, certainly what we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think probably I'm a bit of a secret adrenaline junkie. And I've really? got a wing walk booked in a couple oh of weeks. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Skydives the lot. So, yeah, not oh. many people probably know that. Oh, wow. Where are you doing that to? Compton Abbas out Shaftesbury Way. Where nice. I yeah. it, like one of those old fashioned biplanes. Yeah, biplane. Oh yellow one strapped on the top. My palms are sweating just thinking about oh, no, that. Amazing. <laughs> 100 miles an hour, okay. decent barrel rolls. What, what sort of drove you to want to do that why not <laughs> is it for charity no it's or? my birthday big birthday oh so um, 21 absolutely yeah. <laughs> plus a bit plus a little bit <laughs> yeah i'm not into big parties and like we say i'm not center of tension or anything like that so, no just go yeah. stand on a plane very subtle absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> much braver than me who sure. many would probably call a wuss because <laughs> i don't do heights i definitely wouldn't jump out of a plane and i definitely would not do uh, fabulous baker though yeah i can bake. <laughs> yeah that's fine <laughs> that's safe i can do that Okay, so Joe, turn tables on to you. What is something that people don't already know about you? It's really hard because I put a lot of my life out there on social media. You do? A little bit of a social media uh, uh, sort of addict, I would say. Something that people might not know about me is I have a huge family. So I'm one of seven siblings and I've got seven nieces and nephews. Oh God, massive. Uh, so there's quite a few of us knocking around. Uh, and generally there's always someone either in A&E with a broken bone, <laughs> uh, some sort of family crisis, or someone's car is always in for an MOT. Yep. Or there's always a birthday. I do see all your birthdays. It's expensive. It's expensive. People say, oh, you know, you do a lot of hours at work. It's because I've got a big family. They cost a lot of money. So um, as we said, today's topic on this episode is mental health. So if I start with Joe, mm. can you talk to us about any struggles you yourself have had with mental health? Yeah, so I knew quite early on that there was something my, I didn't think rationally about situations. So I was that kid that wouldn't step on three drains. I'm 32 now, I still don't step on three drains, but um, I know that I'm not gonna die if I do that. Whereas as a kid, I had this debilitating fear and anxiety that used to just, and I kept very quiet. You know, you just, you you crack on and you just think it will will fade out, but it was getting worse. And by the time I got to about 14, um, I remember vividly, I was outside of my neighbor's house, I was a dog walker and my mum had pulled up God bless Julie. Uh, she's uh, just a superstar to all of us. And uh, I, I went to wave, but I was already feeling panicked. And I had my first ever panic attack right there outside Tara's house. And I dropped to the floor. And I remember just feeling like I'm going to die. Oh. Th- that Having not experienced one before, 
I didn't know why I felt like that. I didn't know why my heart hurt. I didn't know why this pain was going down my left arm. So much so that they called me an ambulance. We went over to the doctor's surgery and my pupils had blown and they they genuinely thought I'd taken something, but it was just sheer panic had taken over. And that was when I knew that something mentally wasn't quite wasn't quite right. So that was probably the first sign and I'm sure we'll come on to other bits later on. But yeah, that was probably my first sort of experience of mental health. We'll explore that further, but firstly, Carrie, you yourself, have you experienced any mental health issues? Yeah, sadly. Um, so I was diagnosed with postnatal depression uh, following the birth of my firstborn. Yeah. Sought treatment straight away once we recognised it, but to actually be open about it, um, it was seven years, and that was really, it was the, the, the shame factor that okay. is associated with it. Um, I, I now, when I reflect back, I know exactly what the trigger was. Yeah. Um, I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes. Mm-hmm. I lost a lot of weight with dietary changes, but I would hypo every single day. Um, my worst one was 0.9 oh. millimoles, which I can, for those who don't know, that's just not fun no, <laughs> at all. God, no. So, and then juggling the management of that with work, yep. driving in 23 miles, you've got to weigh up. Do you have breakfast and your insulin before you go to work, knowing you're going to hypo on the way into work? Oh, or do you wait and have a hypo? You know, it's, it was all awful. And then, of course, as a you, you do the good old thing and you use Google and you w- read words like stillbirth. Oh. And that is what triggered it because that is what I focused on. And the energy I put into trying to develop my growing baby so he was safe, it just was overwhelming. But it wasn't until I think it was about six weeks postpartum that it really came alight to the point where I actually didn't pick my son up anymore. Oh, Carrie. And that is something that will just live with me, haunt my days forevermore. I couldn't even look at him. I couldn't, and there's nothing. It wasn't even his fault. It's just hormones, um, and it just, it just absolutely drove me insane. You almost you're torturing your mind over and over again, because it wasn't just the stillbirth. It was knowing that, you know, he had to be fed with my breast milk because otherwise he would develop diabetes himself, which I didn't want him to have yeah, diabetes and you just do everything you can to try and protect your baby don't you um, and it was just that utter torment my stress levels were through the roof and it, it just utterly snowballed so the amount of pressure you, you were putting on yourself just through the pregnancy escalated to a level mm. post-delivery that yeah you, you just are you happy for me to say maybe couldn't cope yeah very open I couldn't cope with it you know people who who know me will know I'm a pretty strong person yeah definitely I've I've been through my fair share of stuff in life and I've always held my head high you know as I said at the beginning if you if you can it's all mind over matter so if you can free your mind then you can do anything but I couldn't free my mind and that was the thing and that that was what I found really struggling and it's it's the thoughts you you I had some of the worst thoughts known to man, Mm. you know. Are you comfortable to share some of those thoughts with us? So it's really hard to talk about because I have never 
divulged those thoughts, not mm. even to my husband. Um, but obviously I'm at a point where I'm open and honest about mental health because it is so flippin' important. Yeah. Um, I was scared of being emotionless and what that might entail. When you have absolutely no feelings whatsoever, mm-hmm. you just don't care. Yeah. yeah. And I, to this day, don't know how far that would have gone. Okay. I don't know if I would have had the power to stop anything mm-hmm. or whether I was at such a low that I just didn't care. So you're worried and you might harm yourself or harm others? I would never have hurt my baby. No. I know that. that, And I had enough power to not yeah. ever even consider doing anything like that. Yeah. Never. But in terms of myself, I just I, at that point, I just didn't care because yeah. I was in utter turmoil. But I, I think I probably had enough strength not to, to do anything stupid. Those intrusive thoughts. Yeah. Those are the ones. Yeah. Yeah. And that's almost like the turning point, isn't it? That's when you know something's wrong. This isn't just a, a blip. Yeah. I'm having some really, yeah. I'm in a really bad place mentally. Yeah. 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 It's dark. Yeah. It's like you're standing behind a, a, a I always say it's, it was like, like standing in a room, screaming at the top of my lungs. Nobody could hear me. Yeah. And I'm looking around for help and no one could see that I was just just drowning. Yeah. And I'm sure you probably felt the same. Absolutely. But I also felt that I was the only person experiencing this. Yeah. The only one. And I know I'm not. But you think that no one, because I have a really good family network, really good close friends. And they're trying to, you know, pull me out of it. Yeah. yeah. But it was very much like you don't understand, you know, how can you know how I'm feeling? And um, that's what I was going to ask. Do, do, at that time, did you not feel you got the support you needed because they themselves hadn't gone through it and therefore could never possibly understand or um, empathise with you? Yeah, I had all the support, everything. A supportive husband, my parents, some amazing close friends, and they were all trying desperately to pull me out of it. I just I couldn't listen to them. A, I had no clarity, no clear thoughts. I couldn't rationalize anything. Um, My thought processes were constantly going round and round and round in circles. Um, There was no escape route. And all I needed was a little exit point Mm. to be able to set me back on the right path. Um, And it it took a fair while to get back onto that track. Are you happy to tell us about maybe your lowest point, Carrie, when you realized that was it, you were at rock bottom? I remember an occasion, um, Finn, my baby, he was asleep in the Moses basket downstairs and my husband was there and I just disappeared upstairs. And it's a really, it's a really strange feeling when you're depressed to the point where you are emotionless. You actually don't feel anything at all, numb. And until you've experienced that, it's really hard to describe but you just feel there's just blackness all around you you just literally you've got no no emotion you're not happy you're not sad there's no fear there's absolutely nothing and my husband came in the room didn't say a word didn't judge nothing he just the tightest embrace and that was it the doctor was called and um 
yeah, I started some medication. So that was your point where help was, you know, from a from a professional. Yeah, that's where your husband that, realised that, that was, actually it's time. Yeah, it was before that that we had alarm bells, but you know, it's the baby blues, isn't it? Everyone has the baby it's, blues. It's post. that age old thing, and oh, it's just the baby yeah. blues, but actually, it's when you are yeah. in that space, mm. it's it's just yeah. debilitating. You yeah. feel nothing and that black void and I always I remember sitting in front of the doctor myself and just saying like I'm in my early 20s I should not be feeling this sad all the time Mm -hmm. and panicked and on Mm -hmm. edge and he's like it's fine you're 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 not alone and it once I knew I wasn't alone in it and then you start to read up on it like you a bit of a google search and you actually start to realize that actually so I have something called GAD which is generalized anxiety disorder once I started to educate myself on that and found the right medication which I still take to this day it that was my turning point so I'm with you on the on the embrace it was I got that from from my family and they were just like you need to go and speak to somebody you know you shouldn't be that panicked all the time so it's nice to hear that actually hubby was like yeah this is this is your time yeah so so Carrie you said this topic is quite difficult for you to talk about and you've not been open and honest about it with everybody can I ask why you felt you couldn't talk about it? I was really open with my family. And as I say, one of my very, very close friends. But there's, when you look wider than that, you, because people see you as a strong person, you, you are ashamed to admit defeat. There's also that shame element as a new mum that you had dark thoughts. You know, the first six weeks of Finn's life, I really can't remember. Yeah. Apart from sadness, pain, torture, that's what I remember and that's what's going to live with me for the rest of my life. Um, and it's the, it's the shame factor that is associated that how can a new mum think like that? You know, and I think mental health is such a taboo subject even still. It's getting better, yeah. it's getting easier, yeah. but it's still a taboo subject. And it shouldn't be because it's just as important as any physical yeah. health. It can be as debilitating as a broken leg yeah. because no, it can no. stop you from doing... If not it worse. Can, it, yeah, it can, put you, it can make you bed-bound. Yeah. It yeah. literally can. Yeah. It didn't matter what people said to me. That's what I was feeling. Yeah. And it was the medications that actually saved me. So it was that, that actually, do you know what? I do have something wrong. You had no worries about taking medication or anything that's so you know people sometimes are prejudiced against people yeah. medication yeah. no I was more than open about taking medication um the GP recognized that we needed to nip this in the bud very quickly because you know there's the bonding process as well with baby yes. and she was very conscious of that side of things yeah. and she put me on one that responded very quickly and it was probably 10 days I felt a different person absolutely different person and without that you know who knows how long it would have gone on for and it may have affected mine and my son's relationship now it hasn't at all yeah you know he's very much a mummy's boy (laughs) (laughs) he's spoiled rotten yeah um but no more than open about taking medications like yourself I'm not opposed to medication it's something it's just a it's a small part of me um, and I've, I did years of taking medication, coming off of them, I've, I'm going to beat this on my own. Actually, I've come to realise that 32 are just one of those people that need to take some medication every day. It's one of those things that when you actually you make peace with that, 
you then fully encompass that and you do get better. Mm-hmm. Once you feel your 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 best self, you are you are your best self. You're the best uh, partner, wife, husband, auntie, uncle, and to anyone out there that's listening, if you are struggling, do go and see your GP. Yeah. I applaud my GP for pulling me out of out of that panic and set me on the road of actually you you just need to go down this path and yeah. um yeah it was a real turning point at sort of at 17 to sit in front of my doctor and be like this isn't right you know something's not right and that was where my journey started with medication because you can do all the deep breathing and long walks in the world but sometimes you just need the power of of a prescription as I like to say yeah yeah and have either of you had any other sort of help whether that be therapy or support groups other than medication to to manage your mental health um, yeah, so when when my partner died, I reached out to a group, a local charity, and they were great. They had gone through similar things. It was it was a suicide related group uh, called the Red Lipstick Foundation, and it was a group that I I'd already knew about because someone else, uh, my friend's sister, had sadly um, completed suicide, and. I remember going there and sort of feeling odd because I knew these people, but I was there for a different reason this time. I needed support. Yeah. And actually just that talking, that shared knowledge of the shock, the grief, you know, uh, the the whys, the ifs, the ands. And actually, yeah, that support group really helped. And then as you sort of, I always remember hear people, hearing people say, time heals you. Mm. And I always think, oh, that's so stupid. That's so yeah. stupid. Mm. But it doesn't. It does heal you. Yeah. It does. You look back, you don't forget. No, you Much never like forget. you, Carrie. You, you'll never, you never don't forget, forget that six yeah. weeks. Uh, you know, but you move on from it and you learn to digest it in a sort of a different way. Yeah. You accept that it's there and it's just, yeah. So for me, it was it was a support group and having the support of a really big family. What was it like for you, Carrie? Um, I, so um, I had cognitive behavioural therapy and that was simply because in order to conceive again, I had to be off my medications. Yeah. Sure. And I tried to wean off without the support of the GP and I did it too quickly and had a massive relapse. Um, And because I wanted another baby, I was determined not to go back on the medications. So we went down cognitive behavioural therapy, which worked a treat. Managed to pull me through to be able to have my second baby. Brilliant. What's the age gap between your children, Carrie? Uh, Finn will be nine next month and Harry's five. Okay. And in between pregnancies were you on the medication the whole time you needed that medication yes yeah so just before we conceived obviously with harry we that was quite easy conception Um, (laughs) knew how to do it (laughs) knew how to do it yeah um and then once i gave birth it became very apparent i had postnatal depression for a second time not as bad because we were prepped for it Yeah. yeah the midwives were very clear that you know you've had it once chances are you will get it again yeah. and and I did but that was pretty plain sailing that wasn't as bad as with Finn and then after Harry I was on medications probably for a few years so I've been off now for a couple of years yeah. and and a feeling absolutely great now but it, it would withdrawing off of them is was not an easy process no. I can assure you it took me two years to come off them I will back you up there I much like yourself I can do this on my own I'm not going to speak to my GP I'm just going to wean myself off yeah you go and pick up your months or a two-monthly prescription right by the end of this two months I'm going to be done don't ever do that if no. anyone's listening to this yeah. don't ever do that consult with your GP because you will fall harder than you've ever felt yeah. before yeah. Uh, and you then have got to start again yeah is there anything you do now to manage your mental health so that you wouldn't have to go back on medication is yeah, it yeah i grab the dog a pot of coffee and i go up on the hills yeah i'll be up there for about four hours or i'm on a biplane 
Yeah. <laughs> Just casual yeah. Sunday, you know. Slightly extreme. <laughs> so, Joe, yeah. you mentioned before about your partner mm. taking his own life. Mm. Do you yourself have any um, guilt that you maybe didn't recognise his cry for help sooner because of your own mental health issues? Yeah, I think you... <laughs> It was really tricky because in the beginning you get over the shock and then you you spin round from why did that person do that to I should have known something yeah. I should have um, I should have seen perhaps some signs or something like that and you just overanalyze everything you go back I went through three and a half years of WhatsApp chats and I read every message to see if oh, there was something there yeah. and you know I spoke to his friends and his family and there was just nothing and that no. was so hard to deal with and that's probably why it took me six-ish months to really hit the skid. So I, he, he passed away. I We bounced, uh, that was in the May. Coroner's Court wasn't until the October. And I went for six months like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I got to Coroner's Court and realised that there just wasn't an answer. You know, yeah. there was nothing, there was no reason. Yeah. He just, this, this world just wasn't meant for him. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I fell apart after that because I knew there wasn't, you just have to accept it. There was no reason. He had his phone in his pocket. If he wanted to reach out for help, he could have. You know, I'd spoke to him at 12 and said, I'd, I'll see him later for dinner. Maybe we'll go to Ports Downhill and get a burger and chips. And then I just didn't hear from him. And it was just, it was unusual. Your gut, you know, you, the people yeah. say you get that gut feeling. Something's wrong. Yeah, I just, I messaged his sister and she just messaged back and said, there's just been something terrible that's happened. And I, my mum came in from work and we jumped in the car and went down and that was it. It was just, he was gone. That yeah. was it. And you just have to, you have to sort of make peace with that quite quickly. But I think like looking back now, I would have just taken some more time and not put pressure on myself to just say, I'm fine, get back to work, actually just digest what's going on, yeah. pump the brakes, just, whoa, just just take a moment yeah. and breathe and process what's happened. Suicide is is a shock that you can't explain. I just turned 30 uh, and some lovely colleagues of mine here at the Trust had taken me out for dinner and I think that was on Saturday and I, I gave my sick note in on the Monday yeah. after because I just realised that actually... I just sat at that dinner table and just thought, I could scream and cry. I'm so bereft. Mm. And I thought, now's the time to, to to really just sort of process what's gone on over the last six months. Even now, I, sometimes, I'll, you know, a song will come on or some... There was a chap that I was walking through the hospital the other day and he sounded just like George. Yeah. And I instantly, my the hairs went up and I turned around. And it was, obviously, it was a stranger. I didn't know yeah. him. But it just... And I just thought... I, and you walk off and you think, oh, yeah, I wonder why you did decide on that, you know, just yeah. decide to leave us. Because... You know, you just you left behind this circle of friends and family that are just like, what? A lot of love. Yeah, yeah. a lot of love. They don't realise, people don't realise how loved you are. So, yeah, that's why probably now I'm more, even more, why I was so keen to become a mental health first aider here at the Trust and really be as open as I can about my mental health yeah. and share my story because actually there could be someone out there today who thinks that actually this, it's not worth carrying on and it is it does get better and that's what I reiterate to people all the time you know and if anyone's listening to this that is struggling there are wonderful charities out there Samaritans there's your GP you've only probably got to text one of your friends and say I'm struggling and they will be there you might not feel that but they will be and Carrie thinking about what you've gone through and the struggles you've had what advice would you maybe give to someone who themselves is experiencing or is um, currently pregnant and scared they may experience it I think really is just to reach out, make sure you've got a supportive network around you, whether that is family, friends, midwives, your health visitor, just constantly talk about how you're feeling. You know, initially I had, oh, it's just the baby blues, but actually there was a few alarm bells that triggered that said this is more than the baby blues. So if you are genuinely feeling really low, 
just keep talking about it and keep reaching out. Um, that's what I would probably advise. Brilliant. Okay, so obviously we are currently recording the cake with Joe and Jane. I nearly <laughs> said Jane and Joe then. Yeah, sorry, you switch around. Um, big question. What's your favourite cake and why? I'm not really a cake person. What? <laughs> right. End the no, podcast okay. now. Shock horror. Uh, Delete everything. Uh, it's got to be a good old Vicky sponge, I think. Yes. Jam and cream. It's a classic. Yeah. It is a classic. There is a Vicky sponge there that was baked by one of our guests earlier that you are welcome to take a whacking great chunk I out of do. and take it back. That's so, right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Cake and to all of our guests for taking the time out to record. And you being one of those guests, so a special thank you from me. More than welcome. It felt really strange to be on the other side of the questions, but yeah, really insightful. And to Carrie for sharing that story was just, yeah, very nearly I ended up in tears. So yeah, really emotional and really nice to to get those conversations out there about postnatal depression. It's I just really important. didn't realise how hard it can be. So thanks to, for, uh, to Carrie for coming along today. Really appreciate it. If you'd like to listen to any of our other episodes, they are now all available wherever you get your podcasts from.